I'm all about that fuss-free glam. Give me makeup that's versatile and feels like air on my skin and has ingredients that love my face, that's good for my face. You know, clean ingredients. And don't even get me started on mascaras because I do want them bold and lengthening. <laughs> and so we have Thrive Cosmetics, which I've been using since 2020, obviously because I appreciate their foolproof products that make it really easy to apply for any skill level. And they have a full line of makeup to refresh your everyday look, but also they give back. Every product purchased, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive. Hence why it's Thrive Cosmetics, C a u s e medics thrive cosmetics and bigger than beauty skincare are not just makeup brands they're a whole vibe they're all about empowering us to rock our confidence and when you support them we are helping other communities thrive their stuff is not only easy to use but no nasties zero parabens sulfites phthalates they are 100 vegan and cruelty free let's talk lashes thanks to thrive's liquid lash extensions i must say that my lashes are just so beautiful and lush it adds lengths there are no clumps and also guess what it slides right off with warm water so no raccoon eyes here and i appreciate they have nourishing ingredients that support longer stronger and healthier looking lashes over time and it's a unique formula they use that creates these tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. We've had problems in the past with the link, but the link does work now. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com magic. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash magic for 10% off your first order. Okay, this is pretty awesome. So if you are into science-backed products when it comes to your health, your gut health, but also woman-owned products, I must introduce you to Equilibria. I'm so thankful I discovered them this year. I mean, Equilibria, they help you take on your wellness journey knowing that you have a dedicated one-on-one -on -one support to help you achieve your goals. So it's not like you're just taking a pill mindlessly. You actually get one-on-one -on -one support. That's awesome. And their signature product, which is EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense, it comes in a convenient three-in-one capsule form. And so this is specifically formulated to bolster digestive health and fortify gut barrier protection, among other benefits. And we know that a balanced gut not only enhances our immunity, but also contributes to our overall mental well-being and our quality of sleep, of course, having efficient digestion and even radiant skin. But what distinguishes Equilibria's probiotic supplement is its meticulous selection, which is tailored to women's health needs. And of course, like I said, science-backed, and they're also ensuring affordability without compromising potency. And as someone who once struggled pretty severely with gut health issues for years, I intensified my focus on gut health in, I'd say around 2020, and I'm thrilled to have recently discovered these products this year as, of course, they're backed by research for women's well-being, they're women-owned, and they support overall microbiome health, warding off harmful bacteria and enhancing our nutrient absorption. So head to myeq.com and use code MAGIC for 15% off Equilibria's microbiome defense and much more. That's myeq com and use code magic at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. Within compassion is wisdom. So compassion without wisdom is really more like, can become like codependency, where you're giving more of yourself than you really have to give. But compassion with wi wisdom, and in the Mahayana Buddhism, they call it bodhicitta. And they say that's two wings of the same bird, compassion and wisdom. And one without the other is incomplete. So simultaneously, while I'm cultivating self-love or while I'm practicing self-love, I'm also practicing wisdom and learning the wisdom in that self-love so that I have the vitality to then do what I'm here to do. Now let the magic begin.
hello, hello, and jai ma, jai ma, yomi. It's Raquel, and welcome to Your Own Magic, a podcast for the creative and the curious soul. The sponsors you hear today and their special offers will be linked in the show notes, along with ways to connect with myself, the Your Own Magic community, and of course, our special guest today, Jai Dev Singh. He is a world-renowned kundalini yoga teacher, Ayurvedic specialist, and founder of the Life Force Academy, a yoga, meditation, and wellness company that helps people connect with their inner confidence and genuine purpose. This episode is centered around kundalini and compassion and tuning into your center. In other words, you can say your soul or your nucleus, your God self, your highest self, your center. And we also touch on being careful of who you may turn to along your spiritual path, becoming more wary of that as it's maybe easy to get hypnotized by some theory and there's just so much out there. And it's so easy to access a variety of information and we'd even dive into dealing with information overwhelm. And ooh, I love talking about exploring your dharma. Again, he has a very grounded approach to that. And also he is into Vedic astrology. It seems so fun. So I know Western astrology more so than I do Vedic astrology. One thing I find interesting is that in Vedic astrology, I am also a Leo sun and moon like I am with Western astrology, a Leo sun and moon. And then in Western astrology, I'm a Cancer rising. In Vedic astrology, I'm a Gemini rising. And then I found it very interesting that his sun and moon are also the same in Vedic and in Western. So I highly encourage you right now to go check that out or after this episode to go check out your Vedic astrology just for fun. And I mean, I'm still in the process of learning about Western astrology. It's quite complex, but it feels very whole as well. And so this episode was very special. I deeply connected with his down-to-earth messages. Again, very grounded and I felt centered throughout and I feel like you may connect with this as well. So with all that being said, let's get on with the show, shall we? And now, I believe it is time to let the magic begin with Jai Dev Singh. By any chance, did you teach Kundalini yoga in Santa Monica, maybe like 2015? I mean, I'm sure I did. I've taught there a lot of times and uh, I, I would say that was quite likely in 2015 I was down there. Because I'm pretty sure I've taken your class around that time when I lived there a handful of times. And I believe you're the one that introduced me to Kundalini Yoga. Oh, uh, yeah. And, and you and now you do it some? I sometimes do it. Definitely. Cool. That's great. And is it your daily practice? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it has been for over 20 years. That's beautiful. I really love it. It continues to help me, continues to um, really serve my life. 20 years. Wow. Well, first, before I get into it, I want to ask, what is lighting you up most in this season of your life? What is lighting me up most? Uh, creativity. Uh, that that might be, though, kind of every season of my life, and it also remains true in this season of my life, is I find that I'm really happy when I'm staying creative, and and that and then that can go all sorts of directions, of course. And like for instance, today I've got a new Kundalini Yoga course. I'm just teaching the first class in later, so it puts me into a creative mode because I'm not just like, okay, let me be a teacher and sit up on the stage and teach other people. I'm exploring it for myself as well. Yes, I'm going deeper into it myself. And that takes me into a creative process that is not just, you know, scientific and teaching, but it's also an art. It's artistic. And that's what lights me up in my life is, is artistry. And you are an artist of Kundalini and Ayurveda as well, correct? Yes, I love Ayurveda. Um, I am a I went to school for Ayurveda. That's what brought me initially out to California and from the East Coast of the United States. And uh, and yoga and Ayurveda, you know, two sides of the same coin. Right. And, and I just, these are just so helpful. <laughs> They're just, it's just wisdom, wisdom 
you know, wisdom vehicles that help guide our health and our vitality and help teach us how to be happier, how to love deeper, how to deal with our lives, how to navigate catastrophe, because that's all part of life, you know, all of it. I appreciate your passion. I appreciate your passion for everything that you teach. And I can hear it in your voice how much you love and genuinely believe in these practices, these systems. And I'd love to hear your story of what guided you to Kundalini and Ayurveda and the awareness that you spread today. Well, I was, I guess what probably guided me there was a combination of some sense of intuition combined with suffering. And in, in retrospect, when I look back at it, because growing up, I, I cer certainly was always trying to figure out kind of how to fit in a little bit. I did. I felt out of place in my life when I was in a, as a young person. I felt very loved. I come from a beautiful family, and I had. I, I'm blessed to have had love all around me as a young person too, and. And yet there was something that I wasn't quite wasn't quite clicking for me in terms of, you know, how people talk to me about the world, about spirituality, about life. They just seem to be something else. And, you know, it turns out I'm a bit of a mystic. Right. And so, therefore, I need a mystical language to help make sense of things. <laughs> and so... That initially brought me to like reading all sorts of books, mostly on Tibetan Buddhism mm. at first, and, and particularly His Holiness the Dalai Lama. And that was like as a teenager, and also combined with psychedelics <laughs> and music and, you know, music festivals, even, and even underground dance culture. And. Yes the music of the Grateful Dead, all of that, <laughs> yes. and so many others, the music of, of Bob Marley and all the other great roots reggae that I grew up listening to, and still to this day, listening to all of that. And so all that played a, such a profound role in my life, and still does, really. Then, then as an 18-year-old, going to my first kundalini yoga class i didn't know what yoga was really i i knew that it was something spiritual and right. i knew it had to do a stretching right but i grew up in the southeast united states in the 80s so wow there wasn't a lot of yoga i was from south carolina and then i was going to i had just moved to tennessee to go to a university there to study production in the recording industry near nashville uh -huh. and i ended up in this kundalini yoga class you say a class but it wasn't like a yoga studio this was this was in uh, a friend's backyard across from the campus i was going to because there was no yoga studios in that area oh that's amazing and and you know and he was like my yoga teacher's coming tomorrow and i remember being real nervous at the night before i was like in my dorm room stretching trying to touch my toes i couldn't even touch my knees raquel <laughs> and let alone my toes so that's what i thought it was about and of course i learned it was about way so much more than that and it didn't matter if i could touch anything yeah. and and it really like i don't remember a lot about it but that teacher that they did two different after the one I went to, he was doing another one in Centennial Park in Nashville. And I went to that too. So probably the first day I ever did any kind of yoga or any type of meditation practice uh, like that, I did probably a good four or five hours of Kundalini yoga. And wow. And I felt a bit like I was floating for <laughs> several days afterwards. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> and I really like that. I really like yeah. that. I'm just picturing an 18-year-old uh, introducing themselves to Kudalini <laughs> for the first time in a world where that is not even known. Because back in the 80s, like, yeah, today, 18-year-olds mm -hmm. are likely introduced. But I'm just picturing in the 80s. Well, this was, it wouldn't have been in the 80s. This would have been in the late 90s. But even but growing up in the 80s and in South Carolina, then we're in the late 90s at this point. But even still, your, your point's totally correct. Right. Yeah. Still was not known, you know. And now, of course, many people are 
introduced to it, which, man, I'm just really, really taking a moment to picture someone in the late 90s being introduced to this mystical, floaty practice. And their life force. Totally. And then also the reality is, is that type of thing happens all the time Mm. throughout history, but we are not just as uh, exposed to it in our modern American Western world as much growing up in the States. Like, where do you live, by the way? I'm in Utah right now, Park City, Utah. Okay, cool. So, and and this is something I'm kind of passionate about because, you know, there, that, mystics, artists, musicians, these are all very important roles of a healthy society. And the fact that there wasn't easy access for me is a sign that, oh, well, that could be improved (laughs) in that there should, and like, just in the same way that when there's not easy access to good food, a society suffers. And so we need good nutrition in all the varieties of life. And of course, these spiritual systems, they have a tendency to get religious or they have a tendency to get cultish. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and of course, that's happened over and over and over and over again. And Kundalini Yoga is certainly not exempt of that. And so I'm very passionate about really like that's, that type of stuff is, is number one, not necessary. It's problematic. Right. And so we have to be very aware of this type of thing when we're working with, you know, good, good practices that help us to tap our life force energy and work with our life force energy that we are, are, are understanding why we're doing that and keeping at the center of the whole thing. What's most important to be happy, to be healthy, to be genuine human beings. It's not about joining somebody's membership. And, and and when it starts to become that, it, I get really turned off. And so anyhow, I know that was a little different than where you were going with that, but it just came to mind. And and yeah, so at that time in my life, that was extremely um, influential on me. And for, I don't know, about a year, I did it a little bit on and off whenever that teacher would come. But then eventually he told me to, because he, he lived three hours away. Mm. And and he eventually said, you know what, you should lead the classes. I can't really wow. come here that often. Wow. So, so, you know, as a pretty young person, I started leading the classes just on the campus at Middle Tennessee State University, just outside <laughs> of Nashville, Central Tennessee. And people started, would come, you know, other kids, other going to school there would come. And it just kind of worked for me from the beginning. I never had any aspiration to be a teacher and I didn't know I would be good at it. It just kind of happened. Right. And, and it's been going a little bit ever since. That is wild. That is amazing. It's funny how sometimes our purpose just falls on our lap. And you touched on something that I've been talking a lot about. And I didn't expect the conversation to go here. But that's one thing I love about having conversations without too much prep is just the flow. And you talked about spirituality turning into sometimes it can form into some sort of dogmatic practice, more religious, more cult-like. Yeah. What can we keep an eye out for so we don't fall into that? And I'm going to say it trap. It, it, I, I know I've fallen into it before and I've mm-hmm. stepped out of it as in the past, probably mm-hmm. two, three years. As have I. <laughs> right. And it's, it's really hypnotizing. Mm-hmm. It's so easy to get mm-hmm. under the spell of the spirituality that people are preaching for you to do, whereas you can just find it within yourself and practice whatever within yourself and also just with a collective group that just wants to do it in a grounded way? Yeah, great question. I think there's probably a few things to kind of watch out for. And and again, I'm not speaking, first of all, it's not putting anyone on a pedestal, including myself, and, and most importantly, not put ourselves on a pedestal. Because it's easy to, not to say easy, but it can happen, that type of stuff. Because when you're, you know, getting really happy, you're really starting to work with your you know, magnetism and energy and you're working with yogic pra- good yogic practices, you will ge- generate some magnetism, certainly. It's no big deal, though. <laughs> then, then when people get a little bit impressed with themselves, yeah. <laughs> and this, there's a positive aspect to that. The positive aspect is it gives you self-confidence. That's why I think that one of the things to look out for, though, is is number one try not to be 
overly impressed with anything and, and to, you know, maintain uh, as best as we can to, to just the same way that we don't, when we have difficult times that come to us and difficult and like painful experiences, it's wise. Wisdom tells us that to, to try to embrace that pain, not in, uh, not in a increasing the pain, but in the compassionate way to allow that pain to, to help us feel compassion for ourselves and to realize there's medicine also in that pain. And so, and so in the same way, when really nice experiences come to us and yogic experiences, it will give us even nice experiences, (laughs) definitely pleasurable is to not sensationalize them too much and to not get too overly excited about them. Cause sometimes people feel like they woke up and yeah, maybe a little bit we have, but also the whole thing's still a total mystery. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And and this idea of like, then some people are awake and other people aren't awake. This is a problem. Maybe there's some relative reality to yes. that. But it becomes a problem when it starts to become egotistical or a little judgmental or there's little bit, even little bits of like spirituality superiority complexes. Oh my gosh. I want to hug you right now so bad. Yes, yes, yes. You're literally <laughs> saying everything I've been talking about lately because okay. it's very loud right now. The whole they're asleep, we're awake thing and everything else. That's very loud right now. And I bought into it for a minute too. Yeah, I think it's, you know, all due respect to everyone out there. You know, I think it gets a little jaded in a lot of those cases because, okay, fine, you know something maybe that somebody else doesn't know. They they probably know, have some understandings of some facets of life that you don't know. Yes. And so it's not all black and white like that. Right. And all of us are, are works in progress. Mm-hmm. And so to me, the centerpiece needs, needs to be compassion and love and kindness. Yes. And if that, if I'm not feeling that at the center of things, that's an alarm for me. And that's because of my experience of having spent some time with some teachers that, you know, the, speak the words compassion, but really not so much embodied. And, and I saw the, you know, difficulties and suffering that comes out of that. And, and, and again, I'm not trying to cast, make this sound overly simplified because it's all multifaceted and I'm not even going to you know talk negatively about teachers that I would never recommend as teachers anymore but still in some ways benefited my life and um, I maintain respect for that I'm not going at anybody and 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 because I myself am a work in progress and so anyhow the the thing the that so, so there's the compassion piece. There's the there's the the kindness piece. How do people? How do they treat everyday other people? Not just you know in how in in the relate and how how does learning from that person make you feel and treat towards everyday people? And and is there some type of kind of service orientation that is is central to what it is that we're doing, not serving because now we're like proselytizing because, but it's no, like, can can I, could I, let me hold that door for you. Mm -hmm. You know, Hey, what can I do for you in the, in those simple types of ways, but also when we are practicing that it's keeping an orientation towards the well-being of others, not just ourselves. And so these are things that, for instance, the tantric Buddhist practices do very well and they're innate into their systems. I think very much partly because it's that that necessity to purify the spiritual ego and, and, to make sure that we are remembering that our happiness is intertwined with the whole web of life. And, and what I'm putting into that web is what is coming back to me. And so anyhow, those are a couple things that, that, that I, you know, they're, maybe they're not the most like simple checklist, but I don't think it should be a simple checklist uh, a lot of the times because things are nuanced and, and multifaceted. And we and, and and we should treat people like they're intelligent because people are intelligent and people can and if we empower oh that would be the then the, the other thing I, w- I would have mentioned in that is is maybe maybe the most key is that the power is putting back into you 
So in other words, that whatever it is, is, is self-empowering and it's not putting extra weight on a teacher or extra weight on something that's outside of you, that whatever tools are there, because dharmas, like spiritual systems are, are phenomenally wonderful. They're, they're, they're incredible vehicles. When they're used as such, they're incredibly wonderful. That's why people have such tremendous devotion to them and such tremendous devotion to their teachers. We've had a, a lot of examples in, in the, in the you know, Western world in particular, but worldwide, of teachers who have abused their powers. Mm-hmm. But there are also so many amazing teachers yes. all over the place, but they don't get documentaries made about them <laughs> and for the most part, yeah. you know, unless it's like Dalai, Dalai Lama, but there's all sorts of them. And, and, and so I'm not putting down like having a system and having a teacher and having a path, but these are vehicles and none of them have a monopoly on truth. They're all helpful vehicles, and and each of us need to you know determine what's the good vehicle that I'm going to use in my life to help me traverse the difficulties and help me experience greater happiness. And that's a very personal thing that's that is going to kind of look infinitely different for every one of us. We each have to fi- find our own thing. And yet learning from others and discovering new systems and experimenting with them and trying them out, that might just fit into your unique thing. But my unique thing, even if I'm doing kundalini yoga, and it may be even that's like my main practice in terms of a tool that I'm using, it doesn't define the dharma of my life. And that's a difference. Mm, Beautifully said. And sometimes it may take a moment like walking into a kundalini yoga session in a backyard to begin wanting to explore and sometimes it takes a lot some people a lot of trial and error and peaks and valleys i know for myself i feel like i'm again in a quote-unquote actually i feel like i'm coming out of it just recently but a quote-unquote dark night of soul moment where i was questioning spirituality questioning a variety of things questioning all the teachings and messages and practices i once once learned and once loved so deeply and was just consumed by. And now I'm relearning in a sense, unlearning and relearning what I genuinely connect with when it comes to defining spirituality for myself. And for me now it's been years. Years of years of redefining or years of what? It was around the time, 2015, 2014, when I first discovered yoga and then Kundalini yoga. And I just, it became my ultimate passion and focus and then during the pandemic something shifted and I see I had to re-explore everything for myself and I've been continuing to and I have moments like this where I call my quote-unquote church where I'm talking with someone like you on the podcast and it just helps me reconnect beautiful I'm so happy to hear that (laughs) yeah because you know you know we all have to go through these processes and they're good for us you know they're really purifying and a lot of us so we've all at some level gone through some, I'm sure, transformative processes in the last couple of years, right. myself, definitely. Yeah. And of course, the Kundalini Yoga world went through a lot of that too on its own. Mm. And so there, there was, there is, you know, there's with suffering, you know, when I came on and you said, how are you doing? I was like, great. And it was fully tr- genuine. But that great includes my suffering. It doesn't, it's not exclusion. It's not great because I'm pain free. It's great because I'm in love. Mm. And it's great because I'm, I'm doing, for, you know, for me as best as I can, a pretty good job of staying connected to what, to, to love, to my joy, to my creativity. And, and, and that's great because, you know, some days we're going to be, we're going to have like more of our A plus or even A minus energy. Some days, this is how my astrology mentor often will describe it. And sometimes you're going to be more like a C minus energy. <laughs> and so yeah. you want to be able to maintain enough of your sense of love when also we're at the C minus or even D minus energy. Because because those, those that's going to be some of the time for all for everyone yeah. this is just the physics of life and living in a human experience yes. 
And so if I'm at a C minus energy, like I'm into astrology, I think you're into, I looked at your podcast before we came on, mm -hmm. you're into astrology too. Absolutely. Right? Awesome. And, uh, and so for instance, if say like Saturn is coming into direct conjunction with Mars and then combining that, 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 well, that might already take me from an A plus energy down to a B. <laughs> it's totally <laughs> so possible. It's nice to know. Is good to know, and then you deep, and then it's depersonalized a little bit, and that's the type of thing that Kundalini Yoga is so fantastic for because it's giving you an experience of yourself that is so substantive that then you can more easily depersonalize the emotional patterns and the thinking and the and the ups and the downs, and to realize, oh, this is not the substantive me; these are the fluctuations of the psyche. And which and there's a big difference there, and so so when I can just rest back in me, and even if I'm now at a B, it's getting down towards a C minus. I'm having a hard time, or maybe there's some real heartbreak in my life. Well, that's where compassion will start to blossom. And compassion is for myself. It starts there. It doesn't go to anyone else before it goes to myself, because otherwise that compassion won't have that much juice because you're bypassing my own pain and suffering. That same pattern, I think, of bypassing our own pain and suffering kind of causes us to bypass other people's pain and suffering. And that's when, once again, you get a little bit more of like superficial spirituality because it's lacking the embracing of deep suffering that all of us are going through on all sides of everything. You need the full spectrum. <laughs> and I love that you do. You need totally. the full spectrum. And I would have to remind myself of that as well. Like this is happening for a reason. But sometimes when you're just in it, it can be hard to remember. But I think that it's so beautiful. You totally. mentioned just tap into the, the self-compassion and accept, even if it's hard, where you are. You don't have to fully accept, but just acknowledge. Acknowledge. Totally. It, <laughs> yeah. You just got to do the best you can because, yeah. because sometimes it isn't going to be, it's not going to feel very compassionate and it's not going to, you know, again, it's like if I'm at the D minus energy, like I just might need to turn on Netflix or something. Oh, and, 100%. And, uh, and, just, <laughs> and, just, and then be real about that. And that's a compassionate move. Yep. At time, at the right moment, that's a total compassion move. Is you're just self love. You're, you're this is a, this needs just to be a me yeah. time. <laughs> it can't be anything. I need to take care of me, and that might mean crying. That might mean grieving. That might mean vegging out, watching some shows, whatever. But then the question always to me becomes: All right, but what is everything centered around? So if I'm working, for instance, which I do in my yoga practice, at continually continually cultivating. Uh, greater uh, and more by greater, I mean more and more unbiased compassion, biased compassion, biased love. We let's t just put in the word love. Unbiased love is that that I'm not reserving my love for some people and not and not extending my love to other people. It's unbiased. Now, of course, what type of love are we talking about? Because we only have so much life force, so much energy in the day. I can't just equally love everyone. Like I would love my son, you know, who's at home right now with a little cold. Like I feel that, you know, I need to take care of my son. I, that's a Dharma mm. I have. I'm a parent. Mm. So what I'm talking about is disposition of the heart. I'm talking about our inner world and I'm talking about how we relate to our relationships from the inner world to the outer world. Of course, we have to have boundaries. If we don't feel safe, if we don't have boundaries in our life and, and learning to develop more and more healthy boundaries, so wherever there's codependency, learning to put some sort of boundary there because our life force is precious. We only have so much of it. And by creating boundaries, then we'll feel more safe. And when we feel more safe, then we can act, truly be generous of heart. And that type of generosity that comes through the waves of compassion will not be codependent. It's going to be compassion. It's going to compassionate. It's going to be empathetic, but it's not, but it's also in, within compassion is wisdom. So compassion without wisdom is really more like can become like codependency where you're giving more of yourself than you really have to give. And 
but compassion with wisdom. And in the Mahayana Buddhism, they call it bodhicitta. And they say that's two wings of the same bird, compassion and wisdom. And one without the other is incomplete. So simultaneously, while I'm cultivating self-love or while I'm practicing self-love, I'm also practicing wisdom and learning the wisdom in that self-love so that I have the vitality to then do what I'm here to do. And all of us have to figure that out for what that is for us. And by that, I don't mean go and teach, be a teacher. That's part of it, sure. But on a deeper level, there's a, the, on the deepest level, dharma means reality. And, and, so, and so all of us are in this great, mysterious realm of life that is our human bodies and minds with our tender hearts. And all of us are vulnerable to Mother Nature herself. One day we'll have to leave our precious bodies. And one day, one day we'll have to travel in, into whatever's next. That great mystery is here with us now. And that discovery is one we can be involved in right now in our daily life. Like, what is all of this? What is at the center? What is the beating of my heart? What is it that's keeping me alive? What is it that is all this creation and creativity and the amazing beauty of nature and the amazing, majestic, and sometimes sublime horrors of nature? And, and to be a part of that, and that's the mystic's way, but it's not an impractical mysticism. It's not a head trip mysticism. It's a poetry mysticism. Mm. It's a life-love affair mysticism. Oh, so beautifully said. So beautifully said, Jai Dev. And as you're saying this, I'm thinking, basically, we don't 100% know unless we live. We could read all the books in the world, go to all the seminars, listen to, take all the courses, the classes. But really, we expand when we live. Mm, that's absolutely real. <laughs> we expand when we live. <laughs> so important is, is that it's just not... I'm not, you know, I do a practice every day. I do yoga exercises and meditations. I do a kundalini yoga practice every day. Not because I think as I have to, it's because I want to. Yeah. Even though part of me really doesn't want to a lot of the times. <laughs> There's a deeper part of me that, that nah, this is too valuable. Mm. That this would be, this, this would lack wisdom if I were to, to stop doing the thing that's, you know, helping keep all my wires connected in a healthy way. And, and so, but, it's not that that's where the spiritual part is, and then the living is is mundane. It's quite the opposite, or, or not the opposite, but I'm doing the practice to help rem keep my energy, inner inner energy environment, in such a a, a, a spaciousness and a and a and a and a good circulation and and enough of an expansiveness that I'm experiencing the deep spirituality and love affair and mystic in, in all of life, all to all the mundane aspects, uh, so-called mundane aspects <laughs> of life as well. So that's, I, I am, I'm with you hundred percent. It's in the living. Yes. And that's also where the wisdom comes. And otherwise, like you said, the bird is flying with compassion, a wing of compassion and a wing of wisdom. But where do we gather this wisdom? We can always, feel as though or think as though we're giving compassion. But like you said, that can end up turning into codependency. And so living, it's in the living. And I, I, I love every message that you've shared. I'm also curious what other benefits there are to kundalini yoga that we haven't talked about. Well, other, well I just want to just reinforce what you just said in that because I, because I think it was, I think it was very well said and very, very just real down to earth in that it's worth it's worth kind of pointing out where do we gather wisdom from you might gather conditions to help us have wisdom through you know meditation practices yogic practices and even have wisdom experiences itself in those practices but wisdom is an experiential thing it's not a philosophical thing and phil philosophy sometimes can help us to cultivate wisdom but real wisdom is is when something that maybe we had some belief in or some kind of resonance with then becomes our experience. And so when it's wisdom, it's not something we're really doubting so much. However, like at the same time, experience and making sure that our experience is what's, uh, what's 
central in that, okay, this sounds good, but let me try it. This sounds true. This sounds helpful, but let's see. And to keep our healthy uh, skeptical mind intact, especially uh, as we're starting out, and, and then also all along the way, let me, ve- let me see if I can verify it themselves. So the yogis have said this for a thousand years. Okay, great. Well, that sounds super cool. Let me see if I can verify it for myself <laughs> in, at, mm-hmm. in some meaningful way. Then it can become wisdom. But until then, it's just theory. Yes. People talk about awakening the kundalini. Yeah. What does that mean? What is that term all about? <laughs> well, that's a widely misunderstood idea, I think, and for a lot of reasons, probably one is because Kundalini is a subtle energy, and so it's not necessarily easy to understand what it it is, especially uh, if you don't have the cultural context. In India, there's cultural context for these these this word and this language. That's what the ancient languages are. They're contextual languages. They have they hold wisdom in the language. And so when you just try to like translate that into English, you just will fail because there's no cultural context to understand the word. So what is it? Well, well, on I think of a, a quite simple and also substantial level, it's your creative potential as a human being. In, in other words, as we start to blossom in our lives and and blossom not just oh now like now like my career is going great or i'm successful on in in those type of outer ways i don't mean blossom like that not in this case (laughs) nothing wrong with that but that's not kundalini Mm -hmm. kundalini maybe could help those types of things but it's not it's not the kundalini process itself the kundalini process itself is the gradual process of experiencing what we really are what is real and what is not real experiencing our genuine self what is the part of us that will continue on when the body doesn't this is the kundalini process and you know for the vast majority of folks and appropriately so this happens at a very gradual baby steps pace this is what we want what what a lot of the imagery around it there's there's great mythology that is all that is actually quite rich and filled with wisdom and 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 truth and uh mythical truth i always find is is probably the most helpful truth in in the sense of through stories you're you're learning you're learning about life and those mythological stories are are told in such a way and all the indigenous wisdom traditions throughout the world that they will be directly applicable to your life. That's one reason why I love Vedic astrology so much is most of it you learn through, through the mythology of, of India. And, and, and it, it sheds light on life. That's what Jyotish, the Vedic astrology means, to shed light on life. And so when we have the mythology of Kundalini as the serpent, well, there is a certain reality to that no doubt. And this is where you get into the more esoteric mystical side of it. But it's not necessary that a person, if a person loves that type of stuff and is interested in that type of stuff, by all means, it's fantastic. But it's not necessary because it's also the simple blossoming of a human life where they're they're experiencing more and more genuine joy, genuine happiness, genuine compassion. And, and that and those things are starting to become more and more rigid. I mean, excuse me, less and less rigid and more and more unbiased, more and more expansive. So, so in other words, I'm ex- because I'm experiencing the from below the navel point in the lower three chakras is the realm of me, my sense of 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 individuality and identity, and I need that. That's when we're a young child, we're growing up. And we're developing our ego. That's what we should be doing. I remember there was a wise Montessori teacher uh, that my uh, when my son was just a little toddler and and just learning how to like you know, this is my toy. And we, of course, it's trying to be good parents. He's like, "Come on, city, I'm going to share." And the teacher was like, "No, not at this stage. He doesn't need to share. First, he needs to learn what's his. He, he needs to gain sense of identity, and then he can learn to share." And I thought there was a lot of wisdom in that because 
because there's a you know there's a process to life we have to develop a healthy sense of ego this idea of getting rid of the ego totally is kind of uh in a certain way inaccurate because you can't get rid of your ego the ego is a fundamental part of the psyche so what we need is we talk a lot about emotional intelligence but I also like to talk about ego intelligence, knowing where your self-confidence comes from and knowing where it doesn't come from. And when you can connect into the nucleus of who you are and the part of you that is, this really is not even possible to speak of really. We can, you know, generally we'll call it the soul or, but all those are just words that kind of fall short. Has to be, uh, we are ex- part of us, we're more and more experiencing that's this, what's so wonderful about these yogic practices. It helps us experience our real depth, our real, our real value, our real regal nature that is at the center of every living thing. No one is excluded. No living thing is excluded. That's what uh, Tantric Buddhism, they say, they call it Tathagatagarbha, your Buddha nature. And every, every living thing has Buddha nature. That's why those Tibetans have so much emphasis on non-harming and why they're putting prayer flags up all over the place and and spinning the prayer wheels because it's not just for them it's for all living things and because all living things are precious including ourselves Mm -hmm. and so you start to connect into that you'll find what self-confidence really is and and that will put you in a flow of dharma Mm -hmm. i have and i didn't even realize the expansiveness of it until of course living life but when i was first diving into all the different practices i fell in love with the thought of ahimsa so i got that tattooed on my wrist ahimsa mm, Have, and i still look back at it and i'm so thankful for the tattoo because yeah it's having compassion for all living things including yourself and i love the idea of having the prayer flags as people pass by as anyone passes by they can always remember that this is for everyone including whoever put that flag up exactly and even and in addition to that even as the wind blows and the wind is blowing those flags and those flags have those those great mantras all over them even that and 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 whether that is actually having some real effect i think probably it does but it doesn't matter actually because it's just the intention of it yeah because that's gonna help shape my heart Mm. in a happy way because uh, because um you know even if there's a chance that this could be helpful let's do it and let's position ourselves in that way and let's let kindness and compassion and wisdom be the center of everything so when we do encounter difficult times that that we'll have a guiding uh net there to hold us uh and uh and by net i mean not like a safety net but rather like a web a basket that holds us and that can hold all the ups and downs of our life and keep us in a healthy, healthy context with them so that our really difficult times don't devastate us too much. And our really great times don't cause us to be too attached. And and that's what we talk about the middle way. And it does maybe for someone who's not kind of uh, attuning the psyche to that concept at this point, maybe the middle way sounds a little less, fun or or boring no way it's way more fun it's it's where real joy starts to happen it's not doesn't have to be some like religious rigidity or this spiritual rigidity in this type of thing but it does require that we're paying attention to our minds and paying attention to our emotions and continuing to make that important in our life and because we have compassion right mixed into the center of it we're totally happy doing baby steps because what's the rush <laughs> We're kind of great just like we are Absolutely. already. And we're continuing continuing to blossom. Mm, so beautifully said. How can we practice this at home? What are some techniques we can use, we can pocket? Well, I mean, it's easy <laughs> with the internet to learn a little kundalini yoga, even on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, There's a lot of you on YouTube. Yeah, we've, um, we've you know, it used to be that we had so much, I mean, we've been producing so much stuff for so long, but a lot of it was, you know, not on, not on YouTube in those uh, arenas was more just on our own platforms. But 
we've committed over the last many months to put something of quality up on YouTube every week. A lot of that is more Dharma talks and that, but there's also some classes. That's good. And then ultimately what we're encouraging folks to do, especially if they this is resonating with them and particularly our, our approach, uh, because I do think it's a, a bit of a unique approach. Of course, it's rooted in in timeless practices, but everybody has their approach. And, and we have the Life Force Academy, and we just have created this brand new, it's called Kundalini, the essential course. And there, there's a free training that is an intro on our website for that. And there's a webcast people can take just to see if that they, first of all, even just taking those, you'll learn quite a bit and enough to do some stuff on your own. But then people who really want to really, hey, this is like something, this is a nice, I think of it as like an exercise and meditation system that anyone can use and integrate into their life in whatever way they seem fit, helpful. And that could mean like somebody who's really deeply into it, like me, to somebody who's using it, you know, once a week or once ever, like you wouldn't, or like you would kind of go to the gym and use a practice, but it's going to work on not only the physical body, not only the mental, the mind, the emotions, but also the subtle, the pranic, the life force body, like like what you're getting uh, worked on when you go get acupuncture. And, and it's working with that essential life force energy because the life force, prana, chi, or ki, that is the bridge. That's what bridges the body and the mind. And you know, important is the body, but even more important is the mind. And in fact, the wisdom of Ayurveda shows us is that that the body is the vehicle of the mind. The body is the terrain of the mind. When your blood sugar drops, oh, what happens with your mind? And then all of a sudden you eat lunch and then the whole devastating world just seems okay all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So the body and the mind are not two separate things. So Kundalini Yoga understands that. And it understands the multifaceted, subtle, physical, pranic, mental organism that is the human. And it and its technology is developed, it's kind of ancient yogic technology is developed based on that understanding and wisdom. And so we're working with fantastic practices that really help us at a at a, at a substantive level of our being. Oh my gosh, that sounds absolutely amazing. So that's a Life Force Academy? Lifeforce.yoga, people can type that into the, uh, the as a URL. It's just lifeforce, L-I-F-E-F-O-R-C-E dot yoga. They can type that into their browser and see all of the stuff we got going on. What a URL. That's impressive. Yeah, you can get yoga URLs now. That's amazing. Oh, I should change mine. You could. I could. Now, another question that I just have to ask, because um, you had talked about Dharma and you learning your Dharma and you know that it's not necessarily being a, te- a Kundalini teacher. So I'm curious what your Dharma is and how else we can explore our Dharma. Yeah, well... It's a great question, and um, the quick answer I'll, I, I'll try to give is the best way to do that is to it really experience yourself, because whatever your real kind of purpose in life is, you're already wired for it. You know, you you are it really is a, probably a more accurate way of saying it. But in terms of figuring out, okay, how do we spend our time and energy, and how and what are, what are we doing to help concentrate our life force? Like for me, that's one of the things. Kundalini yoga is not just a practice that helps me, but being a teacher of it in this case is what helps me concentrate my life force, keeps, keeps me focused on what's most important. So that often in the West, we get that caught up with occupation. And not everybody is it going to be their occupation. Right. And so it's a very personal question. And I find if you really start to learn about who you are and f- like Joseph Campbell, you, that's why you always say, follow your bliss. You have to find out what is your heart's calling, but try not to mix it up too much with occupation. Sometimes if, for some of us, it does manifest in our occupation. You know, as astrologers, we might be looking at, all right, what's going on in the 10th house and the ruler of their 10th house. And is there, because the 10th house is, is not just like a job. The 10th house is the 
the activity of a of some type of dharma that is manifesting in their life and the 11th house is the fruits that come out of that but then ultimately it gets to the 12th house where everything once again becomes formless and so so to discover what a person's path is well this is a very intimate experience so it's learning what is the calling of your own heart do some good yoga practice that'll open up that's one way to do it that's one way to help you it'll open up those channels it'll give your mind intuition it'll give the body vitality you'll know what you'll know where to go you'll know what to do <laughs> you'll know it you'll know it and again like you said live but this day and age as well we're also so consumed with whatever is showing up online and showing up online and everybody feels the need to have to be online in some way, or just also receive all their information online. And I'm just not even just online, just in general, there's a lot of information. So how do we deal with information overload? One way is boundaries, of course. I think it's important. I mean, at least for me, it's important not to demonize yes. all that stuff. This is just how it is. And it's going to continue to be that way. And so therefore, let's not give the power away for to it so by creating boundaries we're gonna have to we're gonna we're going to take enough of a break from it to remember again what's important to keep our energy in check to make sure that we're taking care of our own personal energy keeping our intuitions strong this is a, once again meditation practice yoga practice kundalini yoga in this case absolutely does helps do to do that and then it so if we're we're having you know, where we're making sure not to become too habitual with that stuff you gotta keep it real keep it realistic know yourself but kind of tune into where you know what would be a healthy boundary for you for me and make sure we're taking care of ourselves because then it's just like you won't want to as much as long as you're keeping you and you healthy then in keeping our energy healthy and keeping our mind, you know, and I mean, relatively healthy, and that's just for each one of us, relatively healthy, then I think we'll know for ourselves. And I, I don't think it'll dominate us. And I, and uh, I think we'll have a healthier relationship. So that may be over a little overly simplistic, but I think there's something to that. No. I think that's beautifully said. And also I, I appreciate throughout this conversation, how grounded your perspective is and realistic and practical and something that any human, no matter what their perspective is on life can relate to because it was, it's just very grounded. And I just want to, you know, acknowledge you for that because I really appreciate messages that come forward from the heart in that way. Well, this was fun talking. Uh, it's been it's it's always great for me to talk to somebody who's you know, really interested in this stuff, and we can you know have a a nice kind of substantive conversation about things that I think are are pretty yeah. are really cool and really important. So I, I really enjoy it. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely, but you're not going anywhere yet. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, oh man, no. I'm curious. If, well, if you have time, do you have time for a quick ra rapid fire? Yeah, quick. Let's go rapid fire. That sounds good. All right. Yeah. Coffee or tea. Oh, tea. All right. What kind of tea? I like chai. Like I like black tea. Yeah. But, but not chai mm -hmm. with a bunch of sugar in it. I like chai that's, you know, right. maintains some of that, you know, the bitters of the black tea and the good spices and, you know, a little honey <laughs> or something, but not so sweet. Pure chai. Um, sage or Palo Santo, if any? Ooh. Well, I'm a frankincense person, but I, I, if I, between the two, I mean, I love, <laughs> I love sage. I love Palo Santo. I use all that, actually. But the most, the, the, um, the resin I use the most is frankincense. I don't know why I had a feeling you were going to say something else <laughs> aside from the two choices. Sorry, I'll try to keep it. <laughs> <laughs> no. I love it. I love it. Um, faith form of body movement. Uh, dancing. When do you get into astrology, Vedic astrology? Well, I've kind of casually been into it for, you know, as long as I've been into Ayurveda and yoga, but m much more seriously in the last, uh, you know, three to four years uh, have I kind of really treated it like a, you know, I basically just had, and, and I don't know, sometimes it's just a time and space for things to open up where, it's largely how I'm spending a lot of my free time is just in enjoying learning 
all the different facets of astrology or as the ones that interest me, at least there's too many. There's so many that you, I know. Know, you gotta just choose and then keep it simple because it can be infinitely complex or it can be like beautifully simple. And uh, so sometimes you got to learn some of that complexity to get to the simplicity, actually. And um, so I have some great teachers and really, you know, I'm not an astrologer in the sense of, of doing consultations for anyone like that. But I do, do love looking at people's horoscopes and learning from them and looking at it very much from the yogic, like a yogic astrology, not so much of like trying to predict what will happen. But it's understanding the archetypal nature of energy, of the bioenergies of life. Beautiful. The psyche. Beautiful. So three to mm. five years, what was the shift? I know this isn't rapid, but I'm just really curious. Like what was like, what was the shift where you realized, you know, I want to dive more into this. Um, uh, it wasn't any one thing. It was, it was, I've always wanted to, and, and yet there was, I was deep in studies of Ayurveda or other limbs of yoga or or even just developing our business or raising a child and there wasn't really the time and space right. and so uh, that's why it's just kind of the time and space opened and yeah. it was finally and I knew that I knew I wanted to so I I at first what I did is my astrology mentor his name is Drupada John McDonald and he you know and I he lives in the area where I live and so I just asked you know could uh, because I couldn't get it going. I couldn't get enough momentum just on my own. Right. So, but I knew if I scheduled something, I would. <laughs> and so, yeah, I said, how about instead of me getting consultations, what if, you know, would you, would you kind of mentor me once a, can we jump on once a month? And uh, so that's how I really got momentum with it. And then it was like, it opened up the, the, the whole thing. And, um, and, been going on from there. So fun. Do you know your Western and your Vedic big three, your sun, moon, and rising? Uh, I know my Vedic, that's for sure. And then we can just translate, <laughs> translate it over. I'm a, um, a Capricorn ascendant. My sun is in Sagittarius in both Vedic and Western. It's on the early cusp of, no, it's on the last cusp between Sagittarius and Capricorn in Western astrology. Mm-hmm. And my moon is in Gemini in um, Vedic astrology. It's in Cancer in Western astrology. And so my ascendant, I guess, would be um, Aquarius in Western. But I just really pay attention to Vedic, especially I think at the beginning, it's important to choose one. And then later, though, it's to- it's totally possible to look at both of them and, and maybe for some minds right away, they can look at both of them and see it. But for me, I had to choose one and start it because then it was just like, well, that'll make no sense. <laughs> exactly. Then later you realize you can just like, you know, you can look at it from all sorts of angles. And even one system, there's going to be so many different facets of a person's psyche and horoscope that, yeah. you know, it's t- you can't look at it too tightly when it comes to astrology. I don't think it has to be. It has to, you know, maintain the poetry, maintain the spaciousness of it and allow it to communicate to us and allow it help us learn about ourselves. I love hearing that. So you're not of the belief that one is better than the other, that Vedic is better than Western. No, I'm not. Uh, I think maybe yeah. they get, some, they kind of have th- their own strengths and points of focus. Yes, I 100% no, I agree. I don't know much about Vedic. I know that in both, in both Western and Vedic, I'm a Leo, sun and moon. Oh, cool. I don't know what that means in Vedic. I know what it means in Western. Well, one of the things in Vedic, which I like is you, you kind of, well, most people start with a rising sign and then where is the Lord of the rising sign? So if you're a rise, you mm. say rising Leo? No, my rising is Gemini in Vedic. Oh, Gemini. Mm-hmm. In Vedic? Oh, cool. So then you would, then in addition to your sun and moon, which are going to be, of course, very important, you would you would really also pay attention to where's Mercury, the Lord of your rising. Oh, the Lugna Lord is what they call it. Beautiful. So that's cool. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm going to have to check that out. Now, this is the last yeah. question that I ask all the Euromagic guests. How would you advise the Euromagic listeners to create their own magic? Oh, be themselves and try to try our, our you know, to continue to arouse our, our, our good heart into our life and to follow your inspiration and allow that inspiration to move you and, and trust it. And that's, that's would be my advice. 
I love that. And I will fully agree. And again, I am so thankful for everything that you shared today. And I really connected with your messages, especially with how practical and how anybody can really follow that sort of guidance or tap into that guidance without being turned off by it. Everything was just so purely grounded. So thank you so much for all your wisdom you shared. You're welcome to come back on the show anytime. Um, where can everyone find you? On Instagram, jidave108, J-A-I-D-E-V-108, or like I said, uh, life for, or did I say lifeforce.yoga? Yeah, lifeforce.yoga. That's the URL. And and Jaydave108 on Instagram and Jaydave Singh on Facebook and you know all the places. So YouTube. Yeah, <laughs> YouTube. And so yeah, thanks so much, Rico, for having me. This was really fun. <laughs> Thank you for coming on. Yomis, that is a wrap. That is a wrap for this episode. I hope that something spoke deeply to you, expanded you in some way. Please let me know if so. You can catch me on Instagram at Raquel Mantra. I spell Raquel a different way than most, so you can see the spelling in the show notes. Or hang out with the Yomis, the like-minded, very conscious and expansive and helpful souls on the Euro Magic Facebook group, especially a place to turn to when it comes to, well, whatever you're going through. And there are several tools on the Euromagic.life membership site. All right, well, thank you so, so much and have a magical rest of your day.